When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast this week. I'm your host, Sam Carroll, joined in person for the first time in 19 months by Chris Beasley, Dave Prentice, and wired in from home after the mess of over his son's laptop, Gavin Buckland. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to uh, start getting you, getting you back in, but thank you very much for joining us. Sadly, lads, we are not talking about a fourth consecutive home win. Talking about a disappointing home defeat to West Ham United at the weekend yesterday. In fact, Dave, a deserved defeat? Yeah, you have to say it was. Um, you can point to the circumstances of the only goal of the game. I mean, it was... A little bit controversial, I suppose. Having looked at it again in hindsight, I don't see a foul on Jordan Pickford. You know, so I thought it was a, an instance where the goalkeeper should have done better. And he had had a good game, to be honest. But that yeah. was just like one moment where maybe he could have done a little bit better. Sometimes you see them given, sometimes you don't. And I take Rapper's arguments afterwards that on the continent, maybe you'd see a free kick all, all day long. But we're not on the continent, we're in the Premier League. Um, it was just, uh, for me, a typical, you know, sort of David Moyes performance playing a team that was organised, that was strong, that was physically, you know, sort of imposing. And it was one of those games that you knew just one goal either way was going to change it. We arguably created probably better chances than they did overall. Although having said that, I know Pickford had to make a couple of good saves, but, you know, the Awobi chance, the Rondon header, maybe. But all in all, you couldn't, you know, sort of de- deny at the end of it, West Ham probably deserved it. Maybe a draw would have been a fair result, but... I don't know. At the end, I just thought, well, fair enough. Preston, we've done a good job there. We can't honestly say we deserve more than a point at best. So, put it down to a learning curve. You know, it's very early days still in Rafa's tenure. Um, still missing a couple of very, very important players. And, yeah, just going to have to learn from it and move on. Point is getting wound up about it, you know. So, it's not one of those occasions where we start soul-searching and, oh, my God, what does this mean for the future? Yeah, it was just, it was just, it was a disappointing afternoon. We've got to bounce back very quickly next weekend, but hopefully we'll have learned from you know, what we saw this Sunday. There was, there was the suggestion uh, on Sky after the game, Bees, from, from one of the pundits, that maybe with the flight of the ball, it, it, it was better for Pickford to come out and, and punch it. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you put the blame at Pickford's door, perhaps, for the goal? I don't blame Pickford. Um, he, he'd done that with a couple of crosses early on, hadn't he, where he'd chosen to, uh, to punch rather than try and um, catch them. And, you know, um, he's so had the... Uh, Base that uh, every individual situation on its merits. I don't think you could. You said, yeah, as a goalkeeper, you'd probably like to have seen him a bit more commanding there. But I don't think he can go down as an an actual mistake or to personally to point the blame at him. I thought he played well and generally made good um, save twice from Bowen. Obviously, the one the disallowed goal. Suchek put in the the rebound from the offside. Um, it was a good initial save, and then he saved well again from Bowen later on. I thought he had. Uh, it was a good afternoon, but it, 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 was, it was rather ambiguous in terms of whether it was a corner or not. I'd watched it again. I couldn't really tell you 100%. And again, we're talking about slowing it down, and you're not supposed to do that with, with, with the replays. And 
I don't think it was a foul. Certainly don't think it was a foul. But yeah, and, um, I'm going to be disappointed because you know it wasn't a smashing grab from West Ham United. They thoroughly deserve, in my opinion, that yeah. that victory. Um, yeah, there's a bit of a controversy over the awarding of the the corner. Maybe he should have defended better from the actual corner itself. I mean, that was pretty simple as well. But yeah, it it, it, it was a disappointing um, um, afternoon from Everton. And West Ham bossed it from the start. I think Everton run the. The back foot from the start, they couldn't make the point, but they had a few half chances and maybe go on to it. A wall, we should have done better with that chance. But on the whole, balance of things, I think West Ham were very good value for the victory. Bees has uh, teed me up nicely there, Gav, that the, the air swing from Alex Awoli mm-hmm. kind of summed up his <laughs> afternoon at Brotherson Park. It, it, it was definitely not his best day, was it? Uh, no, no. There was one in the first half, I think. I can think of certain Everton strikers who would have got their head on the... Was it the crossing by... Was it Townsend where... Yeah. I think a few Everton strikers would have thrown the, thrown themselves at the ball and he just sort of, sort of let it go past, didn't he, out for a uh, goal kick? Yeah. I mean, I, I think what Wobie is, and, and I get by get stick, and that was like a, you know, bit of a professional footballer to miss kick completely, you know, just not a great look, is it? Uh, he doesn't stop trying, and I think you know we need. He, he doesn't hide, and but at the same time, I just thought yesterday you say he was lacking. I don't know whether it was lack of confidence or he'd not played for a few weeks. His passing wasn't great. He made a few few mistakes, and he, he the the crowd. He's obviously not a crowd favourite, is he? Um, I think they, it was made clear to him, which is one of those things. I don't think that helps sometimes, but yeah. He was poor. I thought, to be fair, I don't think many players covered themselves in glory for us yesterday, did they? I know Rondon and Abobi got stick, but I thought Sakura and Allen collectively had their worst uh, worst game of the season, uh, to be honest with you. And normally being quite strong. Um, but yeah, Abobi, yeah, he wasn't great, was he? He was uh, a better day, shall we say. And he's, he's been okay this season, hasn't he? To be fair. But yeah, he was poor yesterday. But I thought, uh, and with Bees, by the way, I thought uh, West Ham were clearly the better team. Yeah. And no, deserved, was, deserved was to win. Last night about which uh, was quite damning, to be honest. Everybody was like pointing out that they were key passes zero, tackles zero, interceptions zero. And there was like a whole manner, you know, a whole list of um, you know facets of the game that you got zero in. Now that can happen depending on which part of the pitch you're playing in. But the one for me that was really damning, I thought, was the number of times he gave away possession. I think yeah. it was like out of like 11 moments, he gave away the ball four or five times. Or it might have even been more than that. Yeah. And it, it was notable, you know, and that that's unforgivable, really. You know, so you've, you've got to keep possession. You've got to keep the ball. Um, after a quarter of an hour, you're thinking, are we going to get a kick here? You know, because yeah. West Ham from the start, you know, we're absolutely yeah. dominant. And you thought that, well, Rafa will make a change here. He'll try and like sort of change things a little bit. And we did get a little bit of a toehold in the game, but nothing more than that. And that was because we were giving away possession. And yeah, you're right. There was a number of players that didn't really yeah. in glory. I mean, Rondon again. I know we're desperately trying to wait until he gets some level of match fitness, but he wasn't showing any spring, you know, to try and win the ball in the air. He held the ball up okay a couple of times, but even like you know the opportunities to get on the end of the ball in the box. I mean, that flick header that he didn't quite get enough purchase on. And I know there's no other. You know, option available there. Lewis Dobbins clearly not ready to leave the line just yet. And it's, you know, whether you're going to play somebody completely ill suited to like a false nine position, I can't even think who you would ask to do that. Very mean. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. The big days of the uh, you know, sort of neck lions, you know, so being thrown up front again. 
So yeah, there's not really many alternative options, yeah. but you know, the, the sooner Rondon can get back on the training pitch for two, three or four weeks without having to worry about matches at the end of the week and you know, work on his fitness, the better. Yeah, all in all, frustrating day, but we need to put behind us and move on quickly. Do you think Anthony Gordon might, might have been a little bit surprised to, to see himself out of the starting lineup in, in, in favour of Alex Wolby yesterday? Yeah, I mean, um, I was at Old Trafford a fortnight ago and I uh, thought, you know, Anthony had a pretty promising afternoon. You know, going away to Manchester United, you're not going to necessarily be taking the game to them as a winger and, you know, whipping all the crosses in. But yeah, it was a solid, hard-working performance from him. Um, I think United tried to rough him up a bit. Um, Obviously, for a young lad there who can be bullied, and he didn't. He gave as good as he got there, and he, he put in a sod close. If I was Anthony Gordon, I, yeah, I, I know he's a very self-confident young man, and he was knocking on Carlo's door at times last season when he wasn't um, getting looking before he was loaned out to Preston North End. So, yeah, I'm sure he, I'm sure he was very disappointed, and he probably uh, it was some justification that he, uh, a Wolby's come straight back in there. Um, he came on as, as a substitute, and he probably was the only person on the bench there. There was a lot of good, solid pros on the bench there, but he was the only one who you think could, um, other than, like I said, joking about putting Yeri Mino as emergency centre forward, who could turn the game and um, provide Everton with something a bit different. So, yeah, if I'd done Gordon, I'd, I would be disappointed on this occasion because you know, he got that show of faith at Old Trafford, did well there, and then it will be straight back in. And uh, subsequently, like you said, there will be another. Disappointing performance. We talked about them not being a, a crowd favourite, but I don't think anybody goes out there wanting a Wobi. Everyone desperately wants Alex Wobi to to do well. He cost the club a hell of a lot of money, a big um, investment from from Arsenal, and everyone just wants to see him do well. But continues to quite to deceive. I think he had like that twenty minutes at Fulham last season where he turned into Stanley Matthews. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, at right back, yeah, wing back wasn't he that day? But yeah, it was. It was you know, and that's the frustrating thing because you know with Alex Wolby, he can do it. We had a bit of a talk about this off there earlier, and I said no, it, um, he's a, he's not a player without ability in my book. I've seen far worse. You know, there's been far more players at Everton who were out of the depth at that level, and he just didn't have the ability to do it. And that's what's frustrating about Alex Wolby. He is talented, but he just he's just not producing on, on a regular basis. And when he's in that final third, his position, you know, you have to be producing things. If, if he is the succeeder at Everton in some capacity. Gav, do, do you see him as a winger, or you know, does this kind of debate about him playing in a in a number ten role? But you know, you kind of look at the the impact that Damari Gray has made almost instantly for a, a you know a fraction of the of the transfer yeah. fee. And do you think maybe centrally is is where a Wobie's kind of future would lie if, if he is to kind of but, base yeah. But centrally, where because if you're playing with uh, Richarlison and Carver Lewin. Up top, you're playing four four two. Your middle two in the in is going to be Decore and Allen. So the only option is out wide, isn't it? Wide left, um, and you show when he has played as a ten. It's he's not, you're looking for the ten to create, aren't you? And you know, run the show to a degree when you're going forward. I don't think he's got that in him. So out wide is probably his best position. I'm just wondering yesterday whether. Benitez played and because I think as Peno was saying I think they're a really good team West Ham but, but they are a big team as well aren't they and I'm just thinking yesterday when he talked to Wolby's in theory Wolby's physical presence was probably one of some stars ahead of Gordon who still to me looks a little bit lightweight and that, that's the, the thinking I'm, I've got about why Wolby plays yesterday but 
it's out wide. I don't think he can play through in the middle. Uh, to be honest with you, Sam, and and I think uh, going forward that's that's his future role. But I don't think he's going to get a spec out wide once we get Carvert Lewin and Richarlison back, is he? So uh, yeah, his options are limited, aren't they? In truth, Colonel, they were they were saying on Sky yesterday that it's been ninety years since West Ham have beat Everton Goodison consecutive seat back when you were a young nipper. <laughs> <laughs> we spoke about it a little bit on Friday about the the job your old mother David Moyes is doing there, but I think that result yesterday just cemented that he's, he's brought real stability to yeah. to West Ham. And I don't know, there's, there's kind of almost I think we're all pleased with the job Rafa is doing. And as you pointed out, that the, there in no way should be any panic about the result yesterday. But it's hard not to kind of look admiringly over at what Moyes has done and the players. That he's kind of brought into West Ham at the moment. You Suchek, you Jared Bowen. Yeah. There's a real kind of real progress being made there, isn't it? It's it's almost like a carbon copy of you know, so what he was doing uh, as Everton. Yeah. And that he's organised the team. Um, he's made them aggressive. He's made them you know sort of physically imposing. Maybe they lack a little bit of you know sort of the flair, if you like that you know sort of he has on occasions in his Everton teams and like his Stephen Pienaars and you know sort. Of, you know, sort of Mikel Arteta's players like that, you know, so they haven't really, you know, sort of got that there, but they're going to be very, very tough, and very, very difficult to break down against a lot of teams this season. I think, I mean, Brentford have been like the surprise package this season, They've given Chelsea a real scare at the weekend. And, um, you know, so they beat West Ham and only just, and only because probably West Ham had a match on the Thursday night before they played Brentford. And that's yeah. the problem he's going to have this year, you know, so sort of trying to, you know, sort of manage both. Uh, both competitions this year, but you look at what he's bringing off the bench, you know, so Lancini, Yarmolenko, you know, he's got more options than Rafa's got at the moment, but he's had quite a long time to do that now, you know, he's been in charge there for a couple of years, he's actually been in charge there previously as well, and he's spent you know, a fair chunk of money as well, you know, so 70 odd million, I think, uh, did you calculate, Chris, or did you read it in your piece, I can't remember, now. I read it somewhere, somewhere over the weekend, but, you know, so he's spent, you know, a fair chunk of money there, so, you know, yeah, he has achieved good things at West Ham, I suppose the argument, as ever, with David Moyes will be: Can he then crash through that, you know, glass ceiling they call it, and they so you know, yeah. sort of take West Ham beyond finishing seventh and eighth, and you know, sort of beyond, you know, into like the top four. Yeah. And that will always be the argument, you know, so with David Moyes: Is he capable of doing that? We'll have to wait and see. But for the time being, he's certainly created a very, very good top eight team, top eight squad that a lot of teams will find difficult to play against this year. We certainly did. You know, so we created very little really at the weekend. But, you know, Moyes has done a good job in a couple of years. You know, that's just, fingers crossed, hope Rafa's still in situ a couple of years down the line because it means he'll have done a good job in the meantime and see where we're at then. You'd hope that we're at least, you know, so on a level, if not better than that, but, you know, at that time. But that's football, isn't it? The way you can say, who knows, Newcastle could be champions by then. Well, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you send your old mate a congratulatory message yesterday? I didn't. No. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you noticed a little bit of a, a swagger in his, in his oh, yeah. post-game walk, please? Yeah, and, uh, we were talking about that later on in the talking point. Um, similar to what Dave's saying, how West Ham are reaping the benefits of the, the Moyes stability. Um, yeah, the, um, uh, actually the, the away dressing rooms are currently um, out in the car park, aren't they, at the park end? So to conduct his post-match interviews, he had to do the, the walk um, across the Goodison turf, back towards the main stand. And yeah, he had that. A proper um, swagger of a, a, a man who had um, a, a, a cat that got the cream, and uh, he was holding court in that post-match um, press conference with a lot of you know old names, a lot of journalists he worked with during his long spell on Merseyside, and obviously the West Ham lot who he knows well now as well. 
So, and rightly so, it really, you know, it hurts for Everton to see that. And it's interesting because obviously since he, he left Manchester United, he's been he's been linked a few times with a potential Everton um, return. And I think if he'd ever been offered the job, he'd have probably taken it. Um, but um, he was never ultimately offered the job. Um, there wasn't a great appetite amongst the supporter base to have him back as much as they were grateful for the sterling work he did over a decade in his first spell. You know, Everton never wanted to take him back, so I think it would be particularly satisfying for him to, to pull off that result this uh, time round. Like we said, 1-0 last year as well, but that was under the very different circumstances of behind closed doors where, you know, we had a lot of strange results without home advantage, but to go and do it in front of a pack clubs and it'd be made up. And he's really, I don't say reinvented himself, but like as Dave said, he's actually doing the same things he did so well at Everton. But yeah. to come back from... After being relegated with Sunderland, you might thought, oh, he's a bit of a busted flush in yesterday's man in the Premier League. Um, but no, he's, he's done really well. And even at West Ham, because he, he got the bullet first time around, didn't he? Him and Allardyce both went at a similar time after that. That was actually his first victory over Everton on the last day of the season in 17-18. And, you know, they had Pellegrini for 18 months. That didn't work out. And they brought him back. They did what Everton have never had the conviction to do and bring him back second time around. But he's probably a bit of an anomaly there in that... Uh, we say don't go back in football. Nobody ever does better second time round. He's, he's actually doing better at West Ham second time round. So, yeah, he, he, he's done really well. And yeah, and of course, he, he really enjoyed that victory as and as painful as that is for Everton, you know, rightly so. But fair play to him. From one manager to another, then Gav Rafa kind of held his nerve in in some respects and and, and waited to make that kind of first substitution and, and did only make one substitution to to bring on Anthony Gordon. Could you? Potentially, was that a mistake? Should he have acted earlier? Or, you know, Lewis Dobbin on the bench, Harry Tyner and, and Asmir Begovic, two goalkeepers on the bench. His hands were much tired, but would you have liked to have maybe seen him either act earlier or, or have done something differently? Could we have seen, you know, Dobbin replacing Ron Um When it's sailing 1 0 to West Ham, no, I'm not, I'm not, not sure. Not sure think, about that. Though, do, you, do you think it needs something? Think yeah, I think maybe Gordon, yeah, but I think it's a big step up, isn't it? And I think uh, when he's chasing the game, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I said, I think, I think with Gordon is, I think, yeah, he was, he was decent at Man United. I think he said he played very well, but just think he's physically still a little bit lightweight as a side. Uh, maybe he should have brought him on ten minutes or so before, but I'm not sure what made a, a lot of difference. Just say. Just one thing about West Ham mentioned to, to Plano before we came on. On uh, Declan Rice was to, to coin one of our a former managers' phrase, phenomenal. Uh, for me, I thought he was. I was just good. I got the performances I've seen against Everton. I got for a long time from an individual player. I thought he was magnificent, um, and um, I thought West Ham a really good team. But going back to your question, Sam, maybe ten minutes, but it's just show the, just a lack of options there, isn't it? You know. And again, it, we don't. This is again. We've spoke about this a million times before. Is that gap between, you know, you saying there quite highly, you know, job and it's a big step up and is he ready? You know, when a players are ready when they're in the academy and under twenty threes to play first team football, you know, yeah, that that's the big question is how do you become ready? And 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 we're suffering from that problem, aren't we? I'm not. We're not the only club to be suffering from that problem. Is is you've got players at academy like who played under twenty three very effectively and well, but you're still saying, I mean, they're not ready for first team action, and it's probably right. But how do you come ready? 
and that's that, that again our injury crisis has just shown that problem uh, with under 23 football for me Gordon yeah maybe 10 minutes early but I don't think it would have made a lot of difference um, it just shows up our paucity of options on, on the bench at the moment The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo to be honest, the one person that we haven't mentioned, you know, so in all of this about you know, so struggling and what have you, and the paucity of options, is Ben Godfrey. And uh, you know, last season's player of the se- season, you know, for me personally, I thought he had a, a great season. Yeah. He struggled badly this year. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought at the weekend, you know, in his favourite position, again he looked less than confident. I mean, obviously he lost, you know, so a bonnet for the goal. Um, it was a great delivery, to be fair. You know, so I was sacked quite close to Joe Royal at the game on uh, on Sunday, and I, I said to him afterwards that was an Andy Hinchcliffe delivery. That, and uh, you know, so I totally agreed. But equally, Godfrey could have done maybe a fraction better on that. But elsewhere in the game, he just seemed to lack a bit of conviction. Some of his distribution was very, very suspect. I mean, we mentioned ourselves, didn't we? Someone were talking about the game. That one, he just like hoofed into the you know nether regions of uh, you know up the air. Yeah. It was just it was a strange performance from him, and uh, I know he had issues with COVID at the start of the season, yeah. and maybe he's still you know sort of recovering a degree of match fitness that you know so isn't quite there at the moment. But that's a slight concern at the moment. I won't go any more than that. But yeah. you know, having been as good as he was this season, maybe it's just second season syndrome in the Premier League. I don't know, and it'll take him a little bit of time to rediscover that again. Uh, but yeah, a bit of a concern because we needed him really at the weekend. Obviously, with me and not being yeah. able to stop us, we needed him on you know cylinder and he wasn't you know so he struggled a little bit so has it maybe been a case dave of has he been played out of position too much is he now having to kind of find his way back in? you know he's played yeah. five he's played left back he's played right back is he now having to kind of find his feet back in his favorite position or you know should a premier league footballer yeah. as young as he is and nobody he's still a 20 million pound premier league footballer should he just be able to slot right it's, it's, it's difficult some players find that very very easy i mean uh you know, Gavin obviously remember Alan Harper, how you know vital he was to the you know, yeah. the successful things. But even in more recent years, Steve Watson, for argument's sake, you know, even played centre forward Steve Watson in a couple of games. Yeah. And uh, you know, and seemed to be able to ease into those positions quite easily. Um David Unsworth was another who played centre back, played left back, played centre mid once at Newcastle and scored an absolute blinder. <laughs> so some players, you know, so find it easier than others. With Ben Godfrey being so young probably isn't helpful to his development yeah you know so you could argue that it is in that you know he's getting exposure in different positions and learning different facets of his game personally i don't think it is i mean i think you need to be played in a position and become accustomed to players around you and develop in that fashion and he hasn't has he he's been moved around a lot you know so even this season you know he's had to play fullback positions he's had to play center back so it's not going to be helpful i don't think no i think um you know the sooner you can get a settled position it'll be better for his development and uh, now to answer the question, I don't think it has helped him at all. Maybe that is a reason why he's struggled a little bit this season. But there are probably other, you know, sort of things as well going on. Not least, you know, the fitness issue. Bottom line is, you know, so he needs to, you know, sort of come back, you know, sort of as strong as he finished last season, really, you know, for the good of himself and the good of Everson. Another one we were talking about, kind of off air, is, is that you know you, you can understand why Rafa made the decision to to bench Jenny Mina. I think he played three yeah. times for Colombia. A, a lot of traveling involved in that, but in a in a very very short space of time, he has become a really important player for Everton now, and a player who's only got two years left on, on his contract. But all of a sudden, you you could make an argument that 
he should be the first name on the team sheet in the next few weeks. Yeah, it was really difficult. I'd say myself, we did our um, team selector, and I totally agree with all that. He's been, you know, probably his best run of form for Everton, and he has become very um, important. And But, like you say, played um, three World Cup qualifiers, 90 minutes and all of those. And the, I think the crucial thing was he didn't return from South America until Friday, so he only had 48 hours before the game. So, I mean, I'd gone with in my team selection without Mina, not because I didn't want to play him. It was just thought, from a physical point of view, he, he wouldn't be ready. And that's probably obviously why Benitez and his team will have done all the tests on that and decided that he wasn't fresh enough um, to, to be in the starting lineup. So I, I understand that. But yeah, it, it, wasn't, it was a big miss because I said Godfrey to move across Albi into his own favoured position and it was something that um, Alan Stubbs had actually mentioned to me when we were speaking we did a piece obviously with Stubbs 50th during the international break but on while I was in that conversation with Alan as well for Everton captain and centre-back he he said he was concerned because he thinks in time that Ben Godfrey can become Everton's best centre-back um, but he says he's not helping him with the fact that he's been playing out of position so for you know Yen Mina you know has had that um, combination with Michael Keane I understand him for most of the season so far so to break that up, um, let's say, no slight on Gopi or whoever else comes in there, you know, when you do have that partnership in centre backs, it's one of the most important partnerships and, and the pitch, isn't it? Because it's all about the understanding and the talking to each other and moving as a unit. So, yeah, um, it was a big miss, um, Mina. And there's certainly, you know, with those, like we mentioned, the big lads at West Ham, physical presence there. I mean, you could have really done with them in that picture. But yeah, it, it was difficult because, you know, we've only got 48 hours preparation after all that traveling and all those games. Absence makes the uh, the heart grow grow fonder, Gavin. I know you've said a couple of times in, in recent podcasts that you, you might not be as sold on, on Yen Mina and maybe the Everton defence on a whole uh, as yeah. always. But do you think maybe, I don't know, you know, even Godfrey losing his man for the goal could, could it have been a, a different result or different performance if, if Mina is in that team? Do you think yesterday shows that right now he is, you know, head and shoulders Everton's best centre back? Uh, Went fit, I think. Yeah. When I mean, we were talking about it the other week, what did they call his, his average 20 starts the season in the Premier League, something like that, since he's joined us because of fitness issues and form issues, which is not necessarily, as you say, in the best starting position to renegotiate a contract, is it really? Um, I'd say, yeah, but me and he's another one who can switch off Carney. And I, I just... I said at the start of the season, I'm still concerned collectively about our centre-halves um, against better opponents. And he saw saw that a little bit of villain. He saw that again yesterday. But yeah, he is. He's in good form, isn't he? Um, whether we should give him a new deal is is a, is a good question. I personally perhaps think not. But um, yeah, I, I, it was a bad goal to concede yesterday. Benice, I spoke about it afterwards, didn't he, to say it was a bad goal to concede and I think he'll be having a word with with his defenders only about that because it was uh, it was a great cross, but we should be doing better there. Um, yeah, um, he is our best defender, Mina, but I'm not saying that says really a lot for the. To be honest with you, if without sound too negative, he's still good, but I think you know we need to improve across the whole whole back four. To be honest with you, yes, particularly centre defence. Interesting. And whilst while sticking on the topic of, of that kind of paucity of options, kind of we haven't even kind of discussed the fact that I think we're all in agreement that it, it wasn't Alan and I'd like to call it his best day at the office, but slightly concerning maybe for 
Tom Davies and, and Gene Fluke in Bamman that Rafa isn't even turning to them at some point in that second half and saying, get yourself on there, just change the game from midfield. No one's even, yeah. we haven't even mentioned them. It, it doesn't even seem to have to have crossed his mind. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think Alan and Zakori were that bad. I mean, it wasn't one of their more you know, sort of dominant performances. And they were like ironic cheers at one stage when uh, Alan actually received the ball, you know, sort of in his, in, in his own half, because there seemed to be a reluctance to like, you know, sort of give him possession. Yeah. But uh, he was he, he was doing okay to Corey. I think West Ham did a really good job on him, to be honest, to try and prevent him getting in between the lines and those areas in the pitch where he can be really dangerous. So probably give credit to West Ham rather than, you know, sort of have a pop at Corey over that. He carried the ball well enough on occasions. Uh, I thought they both did okay. I mean, the argument for Davis and Gabamin would would they have brought anything different, uh, you know, sort of to Everton's game? Uh, Gabamin certainly not, because you know, or we don't know because we haven't seen enough of him. You know, so all I've seen is this like man who sits was doing the job that Decore did last season, sits in front of the back four and protects it. I know at QPR he got a full ninety minutes, but you know, pretty much played that role again. So he wouldn't have done anything differently. He wouldn't have brought something new to the party that Decore and Alan were already producing. Tom Davis can be a little bit more progressive and can do more things in the final third, but his confidence just seems so low at the moment. It seems shot after, you know, sort of the penalty miss and his experience at Old Trafford. And did that play a part of it? I don't know. I thought I saw him actually getting, you know, so it was, you know, it's, it's kicked off at one stage in the dugouts and then, yeah, and then didn't, you know, so Rafa decided otherwise. But I just don't think he'd have brought anything dramatically different, you know, so to our approach play. To warrant bringing him on, which again underlines how you know so limited rappers you know so objects were, you know so what could they have done otherwise to change things? I've just said two players that wouldn't have done anything differently if they'd have come on. Um, there's nothing else on that bench that Anthony Gordon accepted. I thought it was Bryce when he came on; he actually did quite well. Uh, but there was nobody else there that you could turn to and say that yeah, that would have made a difference. We asked you yeah, maybe said half jokingly before about Yerry Mina. It, it probably would have taken. Throwing a centre half up front for the last five minutes and you know, sort of doing the old uh, McLean syndrome. <laughs> a little bit different. I mean, we even saw Jordan Pickford in the other penalty area for the, you know, the last minute corner. Yeah. So it probably was desperation measures doing something like that. So it underlines again how thin your know, resources are because, okay, hopefully Richarlison and Dominic Carvalhoon will be available again at the weekend. Maybe Gomez as well. Uh, but that's only three players. You know, so if you take you know, sort of two or three players out of the equation, which most teams have two or three players. <laughs> Injured at you know, some stage of the season, we haven't got many options to turn to. So you know, hopefully, come January, you know, we'll be able to see a little bit more uh, spending and bringing a few more players to you know, sort of reinforce the squad because clearly it needs it. Rafa said after the game that Richarlison is a little bit closer than, yeah. than Dominic Carvalho learned to be in back, but and we've kind of already t- touched on him, and I, and I don't want to pile into him too much because he, he is clearly feeling his way back into fitness and the Premier League, but. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of fingers crossed uh, amongst Everton kind of staff and supporters that we can get them both fit because it, it does very much seem like Solomon Rondon is is a stopgap in, in in this. I don't know. It just hasn't quite clicked for him yet, has it? No, I mean, he's obviously coming very late um, on the, the final day of the transfer window. And as we know, he's, he's been playing out in China and then he had a loaded spell in, in Russia. So I, don't, I guess Russia's a bit closer in terms of the intensity and the level that you get in the Premier League, it's still not the same, is it? And um, the only thing is, is that he, he's done it in the past in the Premier League, but I mean, he's 32 years old now. I was speaking to a, a Venezuelan-based um, British football writer when he, when he did sign, and he, he was saying there's a couple of issues um, 
appeared with with Rondon, there was a actually a bit of a backlash in his home country when he went to China, almost like he was calling time on his career at the highest level too soon, and just after all the the lucrative contracts on the Chinese football gravy train. But you know, he's back in there, the Premier League now, one of the world's strongest um, divisions. But he, what he does have, it, it was an interesting point, is um, for a first time in his career, really, with Rondon, he's playing for a team who, albeit yesterday, didn't have much of the ball who will be expected to, to have the ball um, in a lot of the, the games. A team who has more aspirations um, in the past. He's been at West Brom, who were strugglers. Um, perennial yo-yo club, um, Newcastle United, they were obviously struggling at, at the time. They don't um, they, um, similar sort of finishes under Benitez that they've had um, under Bruce, really, to date. And even with Venezuela, with the national team, he's playing against all those big guns in South America who um, tend to dominate them. So he, he's used to playing a certain way. Whereas Everton will obviously try and have aspirations to be pushing for a European place, certainly be in the top half of the table, you'd hope. So it's a, it's a different type of football for him. And at 32 years of age, it is a bit of a challenge for him, whereas he's, he's built this reputation of holding it up for, for these um, teams who have almost backed against the wall. So whereas Everton is going to have to be a bit more expansive. And yet he's finding his feet and he has been throwing it the deep end a bit, close, a bit sooner than you'd imagine because of the Calvert-Lewin injury. But yeah, he, he, he did still look off the pace. You can see he's, he is improving, but I mean, there's not been many chances, and as Dave mentioned, that sort of glancing head across goal. I mean, the only shot on target he got was, uh, was Suchek, I think, unfortunately. And um, that, that, that was uh, looking at that in the second viewing. I mean, only Rondon will know whether he, whether he, he meant that with, with, with the kick. It didn't look great. I mean, Rondon was facing uh, the ball and moving away, but I mean, it wasn't nice. It makes you wonder what is the intensity of football in Russia. <laughs> Remember, Umarni Ass came over, and it, it took him three or four months to get up to a level of fitness to play against Bournemouth, when he was actually sucking, you know, so lungfuls of air. After literally three months of training, Aidan McGeady was another one that you know certainly struggled to really, you know, so hit the intensity. Billy left it off, you know, so maybe, you know, so quicker than most, you know, so he actually came in. But makes you think Russia, you know, is it going to be playing like, you know, so some kind of, I don't know, you know, five-a-side out there today? Yeah, it's a worry, you know, it's a worry. But, you know, we can only hope that the fitness guys do get, you know, so Carlett Lewin and Richarlison fit ASAP. Because, yeah, that's not laboured on him. He's toiling. He's toiling at the moment. Maybe I'm going to the wrong person for this gap, but... Maybe a little bit of positivity to, towards the end. <laughs> it is still, you know, the way Townsend and, and Damari Gray have started their Everton careers, to think about Richarlison and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, if we can get the four of them all fit and fine together, I, I think that is quite a, a scary prospect for, for quite a lot of Premier League defences. Absolutely, absolutely. And... Um... No. Tell them, tell them oh, that's unfair, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great. I mean, pace and scoring, um, scoring capability there. I think we spoke about Decore yesterday, and Decore is part of that attacking uh, emphasis, is also important. Missed that yesterday, didn't we? Decore sort of box to box performances this season I don't think that was there yesterday for a number of reasons but yeah absolutely to be honest with you Sam one of Richarlison or Calvert-Lewin at the moment um, I know I was talking about Richarlison being available for Saturday Calvert-Lewin sounds a bit worrying doesn't it but when not when all are available and firing yeah absolutely sooner the better um, 
definitely, yeah. So we, we have, I was thinking that at Old Trafford, you know. I think we did that Carbot Lewin and Charleston playing at Old Trafford the other week. I think that game was there to be won, wasn't it, really? Um you think, you think, you think about it at the weekend, yeah, I had a three five pound bet at the weekend from uh, Bet365. So I thought I'll have it on a first goal scorer. Who did I put my money on? Go on. Solomon Rondo. <laughs> thirteen to two. I thought centre forward at home, thirteen to two. Dear me, talk about throwing money away. <laughs> I needed Tottenham yeah. to score yeah. yesterday for two hundred and fifty quid really? in the second half, needed another goal and oh. Eric Diaz put into the into the wrong end. It's been a bad weekend for everyone, hasn't it? Well, we, we, we will we'll, we'll preview them in more detail as normal towards the end of the weekday. But final word, a little bit more positivity. Anyone who watched Liverpool versus Watford at the weekend must be confident of us sticking a few past. One of the worst Premier League performances I've seen in a long time. Man. Yeah, I agree entirely. I mean, funny enough, I was chatting to... If Solomon Rondon can't get a goal against them, <laughs> there's nothing to happen for him. Well, hopefully, hopefully he'll be on the bench now. You know, so <laughs> as a result of it, Charles and being fit again. No, I mean, I was talking to a few uh, few Reds at the weekend. Margaret Aspinall, you know, so the, the Hillsborough, uh, head of the Hillsborough camp, uh, families. Uh, she was at Goodison on um, on Sunday at the invitation yeah. of uh, the, the Everton chairman. And uh, she was absolutely extolling the virtues of Liverpool and how wonderful they were. And I had to bring it back now to earth. So I'm sorry, Margaret. But, you know, so Liverpool were OK. <laughs> Watford were absolutely shambolic. And they were. They were as bad as a you know, sort of performance I've seen for a Premier League team for a long, long time. Yeah. Um, the only worry is that Claudio Ranieri's now got a full week, you know, yeah. sort of to work with them and try and uh, get a reaction from that, which is a little bit, you know, sort of a concern. We're only a little one because they were awful. They were just going through the motions. They weren't pressing. They weren't challenging. They gave up very, very quickly. So if we can make a decent start, um, you know, so it, it should be the ideal game to bounce back upon. Um, but yeah, to you know, to accentuate the positives, Demari Gray just looks like an absolute, you know, sort of breath pressure. I love watching him play. He's so penetrating. He's so great. His touch is good. It's just 1.7 million. That is just an absolute daylight robbery. You know, did Rafa Benitez have a mask on when he actually negotiated <laughs> that? It was just a great bit of business, a great player. The only concern is that we seem to lack a threat from anywhere else. It's either him or nothing else. Uh, Townsend, Townsend worked hard. He worked hard, but yeah, he didn't really create. Actually, no, he did. I think he, he put one, he put, that cross he put one great cross in, yeah, that Neil one got on the end of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, so two, you know, sort of breath, breaths of fresh air. But Damari great, I love. You know, you know great, great talent. And uh, you know, he is for me the signing of the season so far. You know, across the board, because I can't see anybody getting better value for money than that in the Premier League this season. You, you were there last time Everton took on the Claudio Ranieri team, pieces. Am I uh, right in saying that? I was, I was, I was there. They, um, they, 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 I'm fortunate, yeah, the day that Leicester City um, won the the Premier League. Title and uh, yeah, they was uh, and, and my, my been... best mate Matty Payton decided to take out Jamie Vardy for a, for a pen <laughs> in that pen, game. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was from an Everton point of view, it was that it could have been any score. I think it was three one, was it? it in was the end, day, but, that, wasn't it? Yeah, Everton were like the team, the team of Stooges who turn up and play the Harlem Globetrotters and just get <laughs> rings run around them on on that occasion. But uh, yeah, I think. Uh, uh, Signor Bonucci was uh, serenading us with a bit of Nessun Dorma and stuff like that. But yeah, very different circumstances for Claudio here, you know, where he's obviously a Premier League champions there in the past, take, taking over um, Watford. I mean, probably, they're probably one of the few clubs who have more managers than Everton over the past um, five years. Um, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to come to one of us eventually. Yeah, so yeah, and it's a, it's a good one to have you think on paper because they are, I know. Not being too negative, there are a couple of games on the horizon next month, so 
good one to have after a bad result like this and hopefully another home game against a struggling opponent and you can get back into the groove of things because, yeah, they're a tough time to head. Can we just throw in as well, uh, you know, so while we're looking ahead to that game, what did anybody think about the atmosphere on Sunday? I know it was a poor performance, but I just thought it was really muted and like sort of really low-key all the way through. And I get it's that old argument, isn't it? Does the crowd react to the performance or should the crowd actually inspire the performance? Yeah. Because uh, I have to sit and listen to the absolute dribble coming out of the West Ham fans, <laughs> you know, so all day it was like really, you know, irritating. But there's like nothing, you know, so from the Everton fans at all. It was, it was really quiet and really flat. And I was a little bit disappointed as well. Yeah, it's a bit like the chicken and egg, isn't it, David? Like, there was nothing from the team to, no yeah. moments to inspire. I think there was... There was one big roar of it. I think, think Godfrey won a header uh, um, with um, Antonio, sort of yeah. got like a whole head above him, and probably as animated as they got. But yeah, it's not always a concern, isn't it? On the, the early fixtures or the early Sunday fixtures as well. Yeah. If you get up, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been like that in, in, in other games, but I suppose with Burnley, and then there was, you know, did that great tidal wave of emotion because yeah. everything came so quick. But yeah, they, it was so, I suppose it is that the team got to inspire the crowd, but yeah, it was quiet. Was you there, Gov? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you're right. You're right. Um, I was standing in the press box about 20 minutes before the kickoff, talking to somebody, and we were just saying it was like the kickoff was in three hours' time. <laughs> you know, it was just like it really, really was quiet, wasn't it? Before the game, I don't know, because it's Sunday people. You know, maybe have an extra pint or something, but it was just it was the ground was empty. There was nothing going on at all, and it was twenty minutes before kickoff, and uh, it stayed like that. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was. I think it was a bit low key, wasn't it? Our performance, but um, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, we didn't really provide anything really to to get the crowd on on the feet. Did did do you think? I think that what really did are the crowd is it, it was after. Uh, Rondon's challenge, shall we say, on on Suchak, the crowds went up a little bit yeah. in in intensity after that challenge for some reason. But um, yeah, it was it was muted. Um, but we didn't really. I, I'm, I'm with you. You've got to give crowds something to to you know to get them going, and we didn't do that yesterday, did we? And the, the start of the game as well didn't touch the ball for 15 minutes. You, you know, how was you involved the crowd then yeah. as well? Well, hopefully we'll be back. Singing, singing there at the top of our voices at the weekend, and, and and we will be back to preview that game against Watford later in the week. But for now, we will uh, leave it there and hope for better times ahead. Chris, Dave, thank you very much. Been nice to do the podcast in person. Gav, thanks for tuning in, and thank you the most for listening, everyone. You can find us on Facebook at the Royal Blue Podcast Group, or if you want to send us all a, a message on Twitter to to get us through this this week. We'll be back later in the week to talk about the Wofford game. Thank you very much for listening. We've been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.